Welcome back to the Jackets Online podcast. Russell Johnson and Kelly Quinlan here. I'm Kelly. This is a, a little bit of a, um, a different podcast this week because both Russell and I are under the weather. Um, so uh, I got a sick toddler at home who is giving me some sort of daycare crud that's not COVID, but um, is still a lovely uh, respiratory cold. So super exciting. And then um, I know Russell's sick too. So uh, it was not exactly ideal, but we wanted to make sure we got, did the podcast this week, got a little bit of stuff. And obviously it was a big week for Georgia tech with the, the win over um, North Carolina and the upset and, and, and Mercedes Benz stadium. I was there. It was a very cool experience. Um, Wish there had been a little more fans there, but uh, the fans did a good job making noise, making it a cool environment, making um, the most of the opportunity to go there. And I, I really, I've, I didn't like the Georgia Dome. I didn't like um, Fulton County Stadium, um, but I love the, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It is super nice, and um, it was a great venue. And I'm looking forward to covering games there over the next couple of years. Obviously, an interesting game because the defense just played with their hair on fire. Um, they only gave up two touchdowns on the full field to to North Carolina and the one off the block punt, which is uh, pre- I think this I imagine the stats something like eighty percent of the time the opposing team scores are higher off a block punt. So I'm not going to uh, give them a tough time about that. And then the offense played really well with Jeff Sims and he came off off the bench, sparked them and, and looked great. And they looked like they had no idea how to defend a read option and um, North Carolina and, and Georgia tech won the game. They won in all three phases, despite having the block punt, they kicked field goals, took care of business. Kick coverage was great. Um, the rest of the punts were good. They, and they shut Josh downs down, which is the big thing that you and I talked about going into the game, Russell, you had to stop Sam hell's running, which they did. They did by stripping the ball out of his hands three times. And then um, Josh downs, I think he had, he had a bunch of catches, but he had like 53 yards, like on, you know, over a dozen targets. So it was not, um, it was exactly what they wanted to do. And I, I thought it was really impressive. Yeah. They, uh, you know, like you said, you know, Downs was targeted a dozen times or, or close to it. And, um, you know, really after that first – I don't know, remember if it was the first drive or the first quarter, but when he took that hit over across the middle, I feel like North Carolina's game plan changed a little bit, and I feel like his mentality changed a little bit too because he was he, he was effective when he was targeted but and he got the ball, but he wasn't like a game changer like he had been in earlier games of the season. Because, you know, going into to the Georgia Tech game, um, at least a, a Georgia Tech fan on the message board said that he was leading the – or close to leading the country in receptions and receiving yards. So, I mean, it's not like he was somebody who, you know, it, this was going to be his breakout game. He had already, you know, been kind of breaking out. Um, but, you know, like you said, it was, uh, it was an impressive performance in all three facets. And, you know, Jameer Gibbs found the end zone for the first time this season which was interesting. And, you know, now he gets a chance to, to play a team that he had to sit on the sidelines last year, I guess, and, and just sat there and watched as officiating and handshakes go all over the place. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see 
what this team is capable of because they played at a really high level the last couple of weeks. Even throwing the Kennesaw State game, they played well in that game too. And even in the second half of the NIU game, um, except for the one drive on defense at the end of the game, they played well. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. It. They play the entire Coastal now all in a row. So this is where um, you're going to sort of find out what your team is and how good or bad they are. And I think that, um, to be honest, I, you know, I, I'm impressed with what I've seen in terms of the development and moving along. It, this is going to be a huge test this week because they play Pitt, who's had their number. They've been really close games over the years between between the two schools, really, especially since Narduzzi got there. Pitt's had Georgia Tech's number, and they were pretty pissed. They ended their season last year, hurt Jeff in the last game, like um, had a it was a very controversial game with weird calls and. And clearly the handshake business at the end was, was uh, the icing on the cake for everybody. And they sort of, I avoided talking about it cause I had no interest in really discussing it with Jeff Collins or so to me, it was a sort of a non-issue, but um, you could tell there's not a lot of love lost in, in this matchup. And again, you get another team that's, you know, shown to be really good on offense and, and like North Carolina, not great on defense at times. They lost a lot of guys to the NFL um, off that yeah. pit front four. And, you know, they lost, I think, four They four guys went to the NFL from their team last year that was pretty salty on defense. And now they're, you know, they look sort of average and they struggled in the Western Michigan game with the read option game. I assume you're going to see Jeff Sims at quarterback for most of the game, if not the entire game, assuming he plays well. And that plays right into their hands. And to me, this is going to be a really interesting game because it's at noon. You're coming off an emotional win and two emotional games back to back. Can you keep your foot down and take care of this pit team? That's not um, they're one of their better teams either. Like, I mean, I think everyone in the coastal is basically sort of in this sort of bunch together, even Duke and Virginia and, you know, Right now, it looks like maybe Miami's the the trash of the coastal at the moment. But, um, you know, I, I just it's weird to me that um, that Georgia Tech is so uh, so now in the mix for everything in the coastal with just the way they started getting that upset over North Carolina. And like I've said, if they win out, they win the coastal, regardless of what else happens the rest of this year if they win every one of their ACC games they have left, including the BC game, they would own all the tiebreakers and win the coastal. So that's sort of what you're playing for. Obviously, you know, highly unlikely scenario that that goes down, but um, you know, it's uh it's going to be really interesting. Have you had even a chance to watch much pit this year? Um, I watched a little bit of the Western Michigan game and then um, I have, some some friends up here who are you know pit alums so they talk about them quite a bit and um, i think their big thing was you know going into the season if they would have thought they were three and one going into the tech game they would have thought they would have lost the tennessee game yep so once they they won the tennessee game you know the expectation was really to, to get to to this point of the season for them at four and oh and, uh, you know, losing that that Western Michigan game took a lot out of that fan base. Um, it it, it kind of separated the support that they have for you know, not only, you know, Narduzzi, but some of his you know, on-field assistants, you know, 
just like it would anytime you lose to a Mac school, kind of like, you know, the Jackets Online message board had when, when the NIU loss came in to, to start the season. But there's a difference between losing the, the first game of the season and what happened with, with Western Michigan, which was, I believe, game three. three. Wasn't it? Yeah, it was game yeah. three. Yeah. And, you know, Pitt obviously took took care of business. I mean, it was week. on the road, Russell, um, in their defense, and they're playing that hostile environment. And is it Kalamazoo? Is that where Western Michigan is? Yeah, um, no, no, it was at Pitt. I thought they, I thought the game was at, I thought they played on the road. Um, Let's see here. I'm pretty sure the game was at Kalamazoo or. No, it was at Heinz Field. Was it at Heinz Field? Yeah. Oh, well, then I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Why did I miss? Oh, whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, <laughs> I think if Georgia Tech lost to NIU this week, like the the reaction would be very different in terms of the message board than it was even after game one. I think everyone plays like crap the first game or two of the season, as people you try to figure out what your team is and who you are and what you're doing and scheme wise. Even the Georgia Tech played three different defenses in the first three games. Um, Really, the Clemson game and Carolina game were the first two games where they had the same sort of scheme going um, both games with that 3-3-5 look. But yeah, and, and we're, ultimately, that is not a huge difference from when they're in the even front. It's just, you're changing your sub and a D lineman out for a linebacker and, and changing your attack angle a little bit for one position. So, <clears throat> and changing, you know, uh, having maybe another – guy who can cover a little bit out there. So it changes some matchups, but it's not a huge schematic difference for the rest of the defense. Uh, you know, your D tackles playing nose and your ends are sort of playing the same position they were. Um, it, it's not like the biggest thing in the world. Uh, you know, when you look at um, what Pitt, what Pitt, you know, does and, it's interesting because they are very much a mirror image of North Carolina in a lot of ways. Um, you have a quarterback who's sort of, it's not Sam Howell talented, but is a wily guy that uses his legs well, you know, doesn't make a ton of mistakes, can throw the ball down the field and Pickett's been there forever. Right. And then they have the wide receiver Addison, who's been, um, you know, really good for them. You know, think he has six touchdowns in the last two games or an eight on the season or something like that. Um, so they have, you know, weapons just like Carolina. You know, an interesting team because um, they don't run the ball as much as, you know, anyone else Georgia Tech's played this year. So that'll be an interesting sort of subplot in all of this game to me. Um, you know, they've run for – decent yardage this year but i think a lot of it came last week in the the blowout of right. new hampshire so you know i'm, I'm sort of curious and then and their you know yards per carry and stuff's not great um no no their leading rusher is averaging 3.6 yards a carry yeah vincent davis uh who i think was a kid that torched georgia tech last year um i believe so yes uh, the little back on their team. They have two bigger backs, and then he's kind of the little scat back guy, the right. the smaller version of even Dante Smith or, or Jameer Gibbs. Like he's like really small, like I think sub one eighty. Um, 
Yeah, and he he just gashed the the gaps in the defense, and I think that is one of the things. If they're going to stay with the three three five, you you don't have as many of those kind of gaps to get to the next level in the run game. So I think it is something that's kind of interesting about uh, that that plays in Tech's favor in terms of limiting big run plays, which they've done a nice job of um, in the last two games, and, and even in the Kennesaw State game, um, playing an option team there. So I think there's a lot to be um, excited about if you're a Georgia Tech fan I just just am really curious how they play right like I think that's what everyone wants to see like is this um can they maintain it right like you know we talked about playing back-to-back games well they played you know three games in a row I think pretty well now um can you keep that momentum going because honestly like if you look at the talent on the rosters you know Miami's probably the most talented team in the coastal but I don't know that Georgia Tech's not the second most talented team. They're just young in a lot of key spots still. Yeah. So, so um, that's where it gets really interesting because all, all the teams have huge flaws that are left on the schedule. You know, Pitt this week uh, has struggled defensively at times. Um, obviously, they're, you know, very reliant on Kenny Pickett and how well he plays. And then you play Duke, who's – played the weirdest non-conference schedule of anyone playing some of the worst teams they're playing two horrible p5 teams in northwestern and and kansas and then you have the coming off the bye you play at virginia which has been a house of horrors but they can't play defense and they have virginia tech in miami so at miami so you know who knows who miami's coach is in, in november um especially if the right things are going down there uh yeah, you know, I don't know. Maybe you know, Manny will dig it out, but I, I just to me the schedule is very manageable. Suddenly, and even Notre Dame towards the end of the year has not looked great. So they're gonna have their hands full with Cincinnati this week. Um, yeah, that should be a that should be interesting. That should tell a lot about both those teams. Yeah, I would think because you know Cincinnati is interesting. They had a bye last week too, so like they're. They got to sit at home, and Notre Dame was in a very much a game that was a slugfest for about three and a half quarters before Wisconsin kind of imploded at the end of that game. You say um, slugfest or snoozefest? I mean, it was, uh, the first two quarters of that game were almost unwatchable. Um, the third quarter got a little bit more lively, but they were playing a team that had not thrown a touchdown pass uh, all season in Wisconsin. They had their first, and I think in the fourth quarter of that game, goes to show you how things are going there um yeah get you know getting back to georgia tech it's gonna be interesting you have guys playing at a really high level some of the young guys starting to come on the kyle canard jared ivies of the world uh are starting to show what they're capable of um and then the kind of veteran core guys right you have um charlie thomas who's been their playmaker really since they got here and was a guy they inherited that was a playmaker and the previous staff as a true freshman. You have, you know, Quez who's been very solid. Ace, who they brought in from Maryland, is kind of taking over the David Curry role, for lack of a better descriptor. And yeah, yeah. stop the run. That's really yeah, yeah. His thing. And they're keeping him from having to do the three. The one thing about having the three linebackers on the field is he has some cover up for his mistakes, where I think with David, there wasn't an, another eraser on the field. You have Quez yeah. and Charlie who are erasers. So if Ace gets out of position, I think it also keeps them from getting out of position a little more too, because of 
just the way the defense is assigned. Um, they're not getting lined up as wide at times. And, and some of the things that left a lot of gaping holes in the defense in the past that were Tariq or Wanya would have to clean that stuff up. Um, but, you know, you look at it, they're playing good defense. Um, you know, you shouldn't expect them to go shut anybody out. That's not going to happen. But I think this is a good test that, you know, like, uh, you know, our, our, our comrades at the pit site, I think uh, Jim predicted a 41-31 game or something like that. And if they score 41 points on Georgia Tech, I think everyone's going to be pretty disappointed just in general. I think a game over 28 each is might surprise me. I just feel like this might be a little bit more of a low scoring game. I don't, I just don't see the, the more I think about it. And I said, I think I predicted like 34, 28 or something like that. Georgia tech, <clears throat> that's sort of where I'm lying on this, but uh, obviously we'll put our predictions up tomorrow. I'll, I'll marinate on a little more, but kind of, what are you expecting Russell? Yeah, I think, you know, I don't, I'm not sure I expect 41 to, to 31 or anything, you know, that high scoring. So I'm not sure I have a exact numbers picked out for what I think the score is. I just think, uh, I think at the end of the day, you know, Georgia Tech, if they you know, are able to execute offensively like they did last week, once they brought Sims in, I think that's going to be really hard to stop for a, a pit team that has had trouble stopping everybody other than, um, gosh, who did they play last week? New Hampshire? Yeah. I have everybody in New Hampshire. Three or something like that, wasn't it? It's 77 to 7. And, um, you know, I just, I, I, I'm just not sure that Pitt has the ability to, to stop, you know, Sims, Gibbs, and even McGowan, who's been you know, just a, a critical piece to this team, this Georgia Tech team this season. Um, I think, you know, going into it when he, when he entered the transfer portal and there was all this talk about, you know, him being the, the other Dalton kid and, you know, being really close with Gibbs. And I remember breaking that commitment and it, it was, I feel like we didn't talk about it enough, especially, you know, with hindsight 2020, but the way he's performed since arriving to Atlanta has been, you know, nothing short of impressive. I mean, he's, you know, he's done everything and more that, that they've asked him to do. And, really become the playmaker that they've needed on the outside that they were lacking the first years of the, the Collins era. I mean, you know, they had the one home run threat who was like a one trick pony, you know, you, you close your eyes and throw it up to him and he'll, Amari and Brown would get it. But, you know, with McGowan, it seems to be much more. Oh, he would more. get it some of the time. Sometimes he'd drop it, which was yeah. also part of his problem. Yeah. But you know, with, with McGowan, it seems like it's much more, balanced he's not afraid to go across the middle of the field he's you know he can well, be think on about me big catches he's had that were him getting to the sticks and setting up or getting in the middle of the soft zone of defense and setting up and catching balls right yeah and you know even a couple of the touchdown catches he's had were him reading the defense and, and finding the soft spot in the defense to set up to give a nice target to whether it was jordan yates or jeff sims i i think that can't be missed. And that was something I talked about when people were crying about a Marion Brown, I was like, a Marion's great, but his ball skills are not the same. Even as at that time, the guys they had on the team that were playing in the slot behind them, like Kyra, um, Nate McCollum and, and, and um, Kalani Norris, who's now starting at one of the outside spots, like those guys 
like a Marion, for whatever reason, his hands were not great. Like he was just really fast, like obscenely fast. Right. Yeah. But he was also very slight. And I think that combination is tougher. Even Nate's a thicker guy, you know, even Jamal Haynes is not a big guy is a thicker dude. Like yeah, yeah, short yeah. Malik short, but Malik's also even bigger than a Marion was. And Malik was, you know, weighed 135 pounds or whatever it was when he got on campus. And he's probably, mm. you know, closer to 160 now, I would think. Um, and we'll just get bigger as he plays, but he plays bigger. And I think that's what you need at slot position. You can't have, uh, and there's no shot on a Marion because he was playing as a true freshman and a sophomore, but he just didn't, he, he was not effective unless he was in wide open space or had a couple steps on somebody. You couldn't run the jet sweep with him because he really didn't handle getting hit well. Um, right. And, and that's something he wasn't was, able to do that. He wasn't able to do the, like the kind of movement that's required when you're running the jet sweep. He is more of a straight line runner. Mm-hmm. And Kyrick is able to read what's going on. It's not too fast for him. He can run those jet sweeps. You can line him. And the thing that's cool with him too, like if you go into those two back sets, you can line him up as an outside receiver where he played at Northwestern a lot of his career. He's very comfortable lining up outside the hash and and being an outside receiver and running that route tree. Um, And it allows you to do things with the tight ends or to do things with other receivers. They've run plays where they had, you know, non-slot receivers in motion and things like that. Just a lot of the motion stuff, which – I've been happy to see it been missing from the offense the first two years. And it's a huge aspect of a spread shotgun offense, like motion and, and using jet sweep and having guys change, change the window and the look before the snap is such a huge part of keeping defenses off balance. That was just totally out of the offense, uh, you know, save for a few plays over the last two years. And now it's, it's back in and it was huge in the Clemson game at keeping them off balance they used it at times against north carolina and it's real killer when you throttle up and down and you do the motion because it just it throws a defensive coordinator off you get guys looking at each other on the sideline and you know the guy on the other side of the ball are looking at each other trying to figure out what they're doing and you got them at that point man like as long as you execute the play and block your guys you're probably going to get positive yardage so i think kyrick's been the biggest addition on the offensive side of the ball, I think behind him would be Devin Cochran at left tackle has been really solid for them. You know, uh, he has one of the highest pass uh, blocking grades in the country right now, according to pro football focus. Um, You know, uh, actually let me, I'll look that up right now because I was just thinking about this. Um, You know, he talked about it himself. His issue has been more, um, you know, being that raw run blocker downhill kind of guy that like a Kenny Cooper is or Mike Minahan who are recruited for that versus being in pass pro or whatever. So to me, um, I think Devin's been a huge addition for them. And, you know, if you flip it over on the defensive side of the ball, I think Ace has really helped them a lot. He's had some games where he didn't play as well. But I think he has a real calming influence on the guys on defense and and has been a big addition. And obviously, you know, we'll see what happens with Zeke Biggers, who um, has been the the real kind of surprise guy so far this season for them, too, and is getting to play his six, seven snaps a game and has looked really good for them. Yeah, I'd say, you know, Biggers, uh, Josh Robinson has surprised me quite a bit. 
but in a, in a, in a good yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, obviously. we thought there was no shot that Josh Robinson or Noah Collins would play this year. Right, and, and Noah was playing against Clemson, and I'm like, what? Uh-huh. I mean, Noah's still on the ATL Noah. to play, and, you know, I think the thing that's holding him back is just that there's three guys ahead of him, whereas with Josh, with uh, Antonius Clayton not playing right now, he is um, – He's in that top three, so he gets on the field a little bit more. Um, where Noah, they may be able to get away with shirting him. Josh's shirt's gone because he's on the field goal PAT team and all that stuff. By the way, Devin Cochran, according to Pro Football Focus, the fourth best offensive tackle and pass pro uh, in college football right now. Who are the other three? Uh, Zach Tom at Wake Forest, who's number one. Blake Freeland at BYU. And Connor... Galvin at Baylor. Okay. So, interesting. Um, I'll have to trust pro football focus on that one. Yeah, man, I'm not, I'm yeah, not staying up and watching BYU football. So yeah, I mean, I haven't watched a ton of these other guys play, so I don't really have a <clears throat> um, a huge thing. But that that is interesting to me that he's ranked so. That, and he's like, there's other guys that are ranked better than. Uh, higher than him just overall because they're better blockers like um there's the other offensive tackle at baylor actually uh Khalil keith and uh the dude at nc state whose name i can never pronounce uh um ikeem Ikuano or whatever his name is so you know if he can figure out the get his run blocking up i think he has a real chance to be a guy that gets some good looks and maybe an all ACC guy before the end of the season for Devin, which would be great for him as a guy who's, you know, trying to make it to the NFL right now. So that would be a big feather in Brent Key's cap as well um, to, to get a guy drafted uh, off his, off his offensive line at Georgia tech and in such a short amount of time. I, I mean, I think we could talk about Pitt to death, but I think no one has any idea what's going to happen on Saturday. And I think that's sort of a fun part of all of this. And uh, I think we're going to see what happens and, and uh, it should be an interesting game and a very telling game kind of as the, this young team in a lot of ways continues to progress and learns how to win at Georgia tech. Um, So, you know, hopefully for tech fans, they pull it out on Saturday. And uh, for my sake, I kind of hope they do because it makes my life a lot less miserable uh, when the fans are happy (laughs) and that makes me more happy and my wife more happy. So Happy wife, happy life, as they say. I'd like to share a word with you now about our sponsor, Section 103, who bring you the best Georgia Tech clothes out there. Original, interesting clothing with the official Tech Gold and the official word mark and things that are hard to find anywhere else. I think it's the best uh, best tech apparel you can find on the interwebs. It's like the stuff that coaches wear. It's really cool. You get the ATL logo that they have. Um, All the stuff, super comfortable, super cool. And they even have youth sizes and women's clothes and and are constantly adding things. I think uh, the guy who does it, I've gotten to know a little bit through uh, social media and he just does an amazing job. Jackets Online uh, subscribers can get a discount of 10% off their first order by using the code Jackets Online, all caps. And check out section103.com. Great website. 
they have all kinds of cool stuff. And, and, you know, people for years have been asking me for cool Georgia tech designs, unique things. Um, and even the coaches are starting to wear that stuff. You know, Andrew Thacker is wearing uh, one of the shirts at practice, which I thought was really cool and something I pointed out, not knowing that it was one of these designs. So check out our sponsor section 103. Great, great company. Let's uh, switch gears, Russell. Let's talk about um, recruiting. And obviously it was a big weekend last weekend because they had a bunch of the recruits in the dome. We covered that pretty extensively on, on Jackets Online, but I think the the main storyline there is probably the quarterback, Zach Pyron, who uh, you know they're trying to close the deal on. Um, and just kind of any thoughts about on Zach's recruitment right now? Um, so, you know, with Zach, you know, he was committed to Baylor and, um, you know, it was kind of locked in, really locked in and wasn't listening to other schools. Um, and then you know, some things happened and he's kind of made the decision to, well, he's made the decision and, you know, his family's been really supportive in his decision to um, make the decision to, to stay closer to home. Um, for college and that's where you saw Vanderbilt enter the picture you saw Arkansas enter the picture um, for, for some reason everybody on the Jackets online message board thinks they have some type of source at Alabama <laughs> they think that he's he's about to get an offer here in the next day or so um, but you know you've got these SEC schools like you said you got Vanderbilt and Arkansas who've offered and then you've got Ole Miss and Alabama who just keep kicking the can down the road with him, keep kicking the can down the road with him. You got Georgia Tech who hosted him for a visit last weekend and is it going to ho- is set to host him again this weekend for the, the pit game. And, and really that's that's kind of where, where things stand there. Um, you know, I think um, like I, I wrote in the story I, I did on him, you know, he's, he's won quite a bit in high school and he'd like to continue to win in college. Um, so, you know, winning this game against Pitt for Georgia Tech would definitely be beneficial, in my opinion, for um, for his recruitment and for, you know, their chances to land him. Um, do I see him you know, pulling the trigger this weekend? No, probably not. I, I don't see that really being a, a possibility. But, you know, for, for Pyron, I, I think it's more about, you know, getting – getting comfortable around the campus um and then you know like i also mentioned in the story that i posted on jackets online um him and tyler gibson have kind of hit it off and i know tyler's really excited i was talking to him this morning and he's really excited to get get back around zach and to spend time with him and he's hoping that that does end up being you know the the quarterback for him in this class and and for pat mode and and collins and 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 brent key who really kind of also started this whole situation with his you know, ties in the Alabama Birmingham area. And so you got Zach sort of emerged as the, the primary quarterback target again, and we've been up and down this road all year with the, the different uh, number one quarterback targets and the various um, weird things that have unfolded over the year. And there's still be may- maybe more weird things to unfold before this is all over with uh, is you know you never know whose old names are going to emerge as the season continues to roll out and things change and coaches change and and situations changes at schools. So 
stay tuned to jackets online for the latest on that. Um, but, uh, you know, also two new offers this week, um, an offensive lineman and, uh, oh, you, 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 you can't just call him an offensive lineman. You got to call him the, the title town high celebrity. Come on now. Oh, is that what his, uh, he was on, uh, Netflix series. Jacarius park peak peak from Valdosta. Yeah. And, um, and then the other one was, um, uh, Javante Mackey. Yeah. From, uh, Whitehaven in Memphis, but the linebacker. originally from Chicago. Um, yeah, they, so, and they've been looking for a second linebacker for a while. So that's, um, yeah, sort of been, it. that's been other than quarterback, sort of the one thing that we haven't touched on a ton, but has been a, a pretty big storyline as well. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the past few weeks you've seen, Georgia Tech has uh, has been you know consistently evaluating players at the positions. Um, there, Georgia Tech has never been a staff that's afraid to be the first to pull the trigger on a kid, and uh, you know that really helped them down the road when um, when Tatum blew up last year. Trinity Tatum, the, the four-star linebacker, ended up was Tech after being committed to South Carolina for so long. Um, but you know, with with Mackey, we'll start with him. Um, you know, he was in Chicago, in the Chicago area. You know, for those who know this Illinois geography, it's not exactly like a in Chicago, but it, where he was at is outside of it. Um, and then you know, he was telling me his mom got tired of you know the, the Chicago life and family in Memphis, and decided to to make the move to Memphis and ended up at Whitehaven, which is arguably the top public school there in terms of you know turning out talent. Um, like I wrote in a story today, you know, they've, they've sent kids to Ohio State, Tennessee, South Carolina, all over the, the, um, the map, even, even as far away as UCLA here in recent years. And um, that's a school that, you know, Georgia Tech head coach, Tashar Choice, um, the head coach at Whitehaven, you know, talks very highly of, of Choice and, and their relationship. Even just, I'm not sure if Choice was recruiting Memphis when he was at North Texas or if it's just strictly been you know, since he was at Tech, but it, there seems to be a, a pretty solid relationship there, and, and, and it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Um, and then the the other recent offer who you were talking about, Jacarius Peak. I mean, you you watch his his film and you're like, wow. And you see that he's he's dropped some weight because you know going into the season, um, he was he was up over 300 pounds, and you know now he's down to a, a slim 285. Slim and 285 normally don't go together, but <laughs> when you're six foot six, it's a little bit different. Um, and just seeing him blow up, you know, since that Georgia Tech offer has been interesting because you've got NC State entered the picture, Virginia entered the picture, and, and there's more coming. I, I'm, I think he, he may end up at, at, at Georgia this weekend, and it'll be interesting to see what, um, what number one, what he measures in at there and and where he, um, where he ends up like on, on their board. I mean, you know, Georgia isn't as bad as Florida in terms of offensive line recruiting, but you know, they are still looking for, for players at the position, just like Georgia tech is. So that could be an, an interesting you know, subplot down the road. Yeah. You know, this is the time when, when you find these diamonds in the rough, you get senior film, you know, we went over the kid at St. Francis last week on here, the running back and his story, I think this is the time when you start to see these stories, especially with last year with 
no seasons, kids sitting out the year, kids being, you know, some guys being tentative or feeling weird even about playing. There's just a lot of different stuff going on for, for these young men a year ago. And I think that um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, who else emerges right over the next couple of weeks as these coaches hit the road too, because you're going to have guys out seeing kids and, and, you know, Georgia Tech has their first bye week in two weeks. Um, I'm sure they're going to be super busy that weekend blowing up the road um, over the, in the days around that. So um, for the 16th or whatever that we, uh, I think that's the bye week, 15th, 16th, 17th of October, I think that. Yeah, after the Duke game, right? Yeah, after the Duke game. So that 14th, 15th, 16th, like those three days, you're going to see a bunch of dudes out on the road, and I bet you'll see either offers then or on the tail end of that, um, whether they're 23, 24 or 22 or <laughs> 25 or 26, uh, sometimes that we're seeing. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's still a lot to be figured out. And obviously Georgia tech, you know, still looking for another quarter, still looking for their quarterback in this class, still looking for a kind of all purpose back, still looking for at least one more offensive lineman, probably two, uh, a linebacker, and probably two more DBs um, in this class. So I think there's still a lot of stuff to be figured out. And, and again, you still have opportunities to impress the Will Hardys of the world, um, the Marcus Allens of the world, Caleb Coley, the guys that are committed to other schools uh, who are still in play. So, uh, you know, Tyler Woodard, the kid that's committed to Mississippi state. I mean, there's a, and then you still have a Zaria floating out there uh, in the secondary world. You know, I imagine at linebacker, they're still probably looking at some interesting things, too, that, you know, if Charlie Thomas keeps playing well and Quez keeps playing well and Ace, they put up stats, that might attract some more guys as well. Yeah, I'd agree. I'm, I'm not really sure what, what you need to do to, to impress a Vanderbilt commit at this point, though. Um, it should be like, hey, man, we're competitive in our games. You know, not give up 35 in the first quarter to Georgia, probably be a step in the right direction. Um, unlike Vanderbilt, poor Vanderbilt last week. But, um, I, you know, I, I just, that'll be, I'll be interested to see if Vanderbilt holds on to what they have in their class too. Um, Cause I don't think things are going to get any easier for them the rest of this year. Uh, and they're trying to sell hope and they look, seem pretty hopeless right now. Um, you know, as bad as Georgia Tech was in year one and year two with Jeff Collins, most of the games they were in, they really only had one truly horrendous blowout, which was the Clemson game last year. The rest of the games were f at least competitive for a half. Even the first U the first UGA game it was a close game at halftime. They just really imploded in the second half of that game. So, uh, you know, <clears throat> Vanderbilt is a long road. That's a tough job. It's the, one of the toughest jobs in college football. Good luck to those dudes. They need to win as many recruiting battles as they can to try to, to fix that. Cause it's how James Franklin got them like competitive again was by recruiting way over his head. And that's the only way to do it there. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, who Georgia tech ends up with and, and what, um, what the next moves are for, for the, the yellow jacket program here who else gets offered and who are the new who's the i'm trying to think of like a guy that they picked like the mike lockhart's of the world the guys that may be new to football or have an interesting backstory 
that come on. Sylvain is another one that they got late um, in the first cycle. You know, there's going to be guys like the, that that you can go and find too. So it's just a matter of finding the right ones and not totally screwing it up. Oh yeah, for sure. Especially like you said, once they get on the road with the the bye week, and then you possibly see the helicopter back out there. Oh lord. Well, um, any other final thoughts, Russell? Uh, as we wrap this up, we're going to keep this one a little bit shorter, just because of uh, concerns about both our voices and sanities at the moment. <laughs> no, I think, uh, like you said, it, I think going into it, I think nobody really could say they know exactly what's going to happen Saturday. And like you said, that's kind of what's exciting about the the coastal and really about college football season this year. Yeah, I think it's a lot different than. It's just nice to you know be covering something again that's competitive and that is something I was very used to in the past and um I'm glad to see a team that's in the hunt for the coastal because that's the sort of I set the low bar for Georgia Tech is you being competitive in the coastal and getting a chance to win. Yeah, exactly. All right, well that wraps up the Jackets Online podcast uh uh for Russell Johnson I'm Kelly Quinlan join us next week and Maybe we're talking about a tech win over Pitt and a two and zero start in the ACC Coastal race, or we could be talking about something totally different. You just never know uh, in the wacky chaos of the ACC Coastal. 